What is up, Redhead Racing Radio? It is time for our season finale show. Phoenix is over. We know who our champions are. And uh, we're about to wrap up the 2020 season. What's your name? Andrew Curlin, by the way. Andrew Curlin. I'm a TV star. You introduced me. Okay. I mean, if you really want to count about who's been on TV. I knew you were going to bring that up. I... I'm on TV once. And- <laughs> hey, I wasn't going to go there until you were like, hey, I'm the TV star. You bring your ego in. I'm like, all right, fine. We'll Jason play that game. Jason appears on the Dale Jr. download on NBC Sports Networks cool. once while Andrew's been on, you know, all those fancy, you know, race broadcasts. I tried to just say something about it and immediately he slams me down with referencing how many times he's been on real TV. So. Hey, hey, wait, but, 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 but here's the thing. I wasn't going to say that. But you came out swinging like, hey, I'm the TV star. You better introduce me. I'm like, all right, if we're playing Sarcastic. that game. So uh, that's, that's what you the get. the definition hey, Jason of sarcasm Schultz. in the uh, dictionary. Well, I got it. But, yeah. But that was cool. Now you're on, uh, on, on NBCSN. Dale Jr. I Download. Think I didn't watch the whole show yet, but I think I said one word. So I'm famous. <laughs> you said one word, and it was enough to cut to you for the yeah, lower third. Exactly. <laughs> so, you were at Phoenix Raceway. First time yeah. since you were last, first time at a NASCAR race since you were last at Phoenix Raceway in March. How'd that yeah. feel? Yeah. So, my first pandemic NASCAR race. I, I'll be honest. This is more a personal thing for me, but I left with mixed emotions. Um, from the standpoint of going to the track, and as soon as we rolled in, even at the health check stand, uh, uh check-ins right at the beginning there were familiar faces that I saw and it was it was so good to see everybody and um throughout the weekend there were just people we ran into into the grandstands and um walked up to Rattlesnake Hill and listened to the engines roar again with my own ears and and took my earbuds out for the first 10 laps and that was cool that was kind of like a moment of all right we're back we're here but the whole weekend was more on a personal, professional side, more of a disappointment because of thinking about what we could have been doing in a normal world, which is what completely ran through my mind the whole time. I couldn't get it out of my head. Um, we were, we were, we had to stay in the outside the track in the grandstands. We were on the local TV um, program where basically how it worked for the media was you could be local TV which was you could have cameras and you could have bring all your equipment, but you were restricted to the outside of the racetrack fan zone. They had a little setup uh, right after the start finish line where you could set your cameras up. And then there was local and, and print media and like the Bob Pockerses and Jeff Glucks. And you had to stay in the media center the whole time. You couldn't bring a camera and there was only one seat for me. I couldn't bring my dad with me. So it was a, it was a decision I made to, to be outside of the track and, it, it was a bummer that I couldn't see anybody from the media center because I know there were a lot of faces there that I would have enjoyed seeing. Um, but yeah, it was it was great to be back at the track, but it was hard to be at the track and kind of being restricted to not being able to do a whole lot. I'm not I'm like not a race fan. Like I can't just sit and I just can't sit and watch in a seat and just not do anything. I I want to be working. I want to be covering the event and just to go show up and basically sit in the seats and stands and watch a race is just, it's not my but thing. But you should enjoy the simplicity of just being able to sit in a grandstand and watch race cars on a racetrack. Man, I know. I know I should, but it's like I would 
I would so much rather be wandering up and down pit road, getting our camera equipment ready, thinking of questions for victory but lane, and doing all the things during. That's just that's just how yeah, I'm wired. Yeah, that's how you do it. But that's a privilege to be able to do that stuff. So like, you should be able to revert back no, to I like know. the simple life. Like I did that last year. I went to the Martinsville truck race. And just sat in the grandstands and enjoyed one of the best races I've ever seen in person. Just sitting back, watching the car, like trucks on the track. It was literally one of the best days I ever had a racetrack. And it's after years of going and doing the media thing, I'm like, it's really nice to take a step back and enjoy it from this perspective. But from from my from my perspective, this was the first race since March. Like I was giddy. I, I wanted to go. I wanted to go to work. Um, and oh, I was just gonna mention something too. I forgot. Um, you're talking about the Martinsville race. Oh yeah. I felt, I just felt guilty sitting in the stands and not really do anything. Like it just, it was not my nature to be that lazy during a weekend. And I just, it didn't sit right with me the whole time. So, I mean, it was, I really enjoyed watching the races. It was fantastic. And especially just being able to sit in the stands and listen to scanner audio and MRN again was awesome. Like I missed that. Um, but it was just the work mentality took over and it's just like, it didn't, didn't yeah. feel right to not be doing anything at the race. Your work requires a lot of interaction and that's what yeah. the probably COVID era races prevent from happening. So, and that's yeah. why you probably haven't gone to any races since the, they started racing like that because no you're not able to do your thing. And so if you can't do your thing, it's probably not worth being there because you don't feel like you're really working at the track. Yeah. Real quick, one more thing that I want to mention on that. Um, it, it, I, I left the track more disappointed than anything because of how the year ended up going. And it was more upset about the situation that we were in. Um, because I will say, from a personal standpoint, we were at Daytona, we were at Vegas, and Phoenix. And those were the best three races I think I've been to in terms of trying new things and you could really start seeing the momentum rolling for, for me and my dad this year, and this was going to be our best year by far. And, man, what a what a killer and, and you know, knocked the wind out of our sails when COVID hit. And uh, I left disappointed because of thinking about what that year could have been. And it was just a kind of a closing the book on that. And that's 2020 for you. <laughs> we spent all weekend recording. Um, oh, yeah. Basically like an at-track experience. What happened? Uh, with some new equipment. Uh, so basically we we had some new wireless lavalier mics that connected to a GoPro camera that we'd never used before. We were going to use it to try out. And um, like I was going through the footage afterwards and it was no audio. It was just static sound the whole time, which was so disappointing because um, it was. I thought it was cool to document what that covid experiences like especially look back at it but you know what let's just close book on 2020 but let's let's talk about these champions well first um, of all audio with it, gopro so yeah it's a whole my dad he this is what i i love about him is he's like texting me he's like hey i, I bought this new microphone equipment and like let's try it out this weekend so i'm like awesome so like he took control of that it's basically you plug a a microphone into the GoPro, and it's like it's so funny. We we have our oh, video camera that wireless? we've been using for years. Oh, they okay. were, they were. So we have our video camera, the big one we've been using for years, and we're like, man, that thing's gonna go extinct. We're gonna be almost exclusively GoPro next year, just because of how good those cameras are. No, I like GoPro. Really GoPros interesting. Awesome. We ended up going smaller and more simple. Yeah, yeah but they're awesome. GoPros are awesome. All right, Phoenix 
as a championship race. It wasn't Miami, and that's all I was thinking about all weekend, how this isn't Miami, and this yeah. doesn't feel like the championship race, and it doesn't feel as big or as meaningful because it's not Miami, and that's where the champion is crowned. That was what I was thinking watching every single race this weekend. What about you? Yeah, I can agree. I can agree with that. Um, I think the only time that it felt like the championship race was after Chase won and watching the trophy presentation and you kind of get that whole like postseason championship vibes. I did feel like the season was over. We had crowned a champion after Chase Elliott had won kind of sitting in the grandstands. Um, but yeah, the whole weekend, you don't really watch the race. You're like, oh, yeah, you have to tell yourself. I mean, obviously, you know, you know the implications. Yeah. You're like, all right, well, obviously, you can see they're racing for a championship. But yeah, the feel was absolutely off compared to you, Miami. You got to tell yourself this was a championship. And that's why I kept doing throughout the weekend. I'm like, this is the championship. It doesn't look like it doesn't feel like it, but it is. And I was I miss Miami so much. The thing you mentioned about not like it only feeling like the championship race at the end. I went to Miami in 2018. I was the only year I've been to the championship race. And my overwhelming feeling from that weekend was this just feels like another another race being at the track. It does not feel different. Yeah. It does not feel like a championship. You know it is, but it doesn't feel like it. It feels like a completely normal race. And that's what I felt like watching on TV this weekend. It feels like these are just normal races. Why does my computer want to scan something right in the middle of the podcast? Okay. Now that's taken care of. Um that's what I thought the whole time. I'm like, this doesn't feel like it. It doesn't really look like it. And in Miami, you still had, like, watching on TV all those years, I love that race. It was such a hype, such a buildup. It was Miami. Like, anybody, anything can happen. There's so many different lanes. So many guys can run and make runs and strategy and all that stuff. Like, that's what we love about Miami. And it put on great shows year after year. So NASCAR was lucky to have a track, was able to produce that kind of racing no matter the circumstances. And I feel like Phoenix is very particular. Chase Elliott has come on really strong at shorter tracks the last month, or I guess, yeah, even he won at Bristol in the all-star race too. So that's been his bread and butter. And then the last two races of the year are basically shorter tracks, and he was able to win the championship. Where at Miami, I feel like it's more even playing field no matter what. Because we saw different champions pretty much every year except when Kyle Busch won again in 2019. Yeah, I will say if Phoenix wants to be a championship race, you got to get rid of the spring race. Yeah, that's the thing. You gotta, it's yeah. got to be a place you go to once, and that's what made Miami so cool. Is like you go to Miami, you're not there earlier in the year, and it's like, all right, this feels like a normal race because the problem is with Phoenix, we've been accustomed to it feeling like just a normal race because it's twice on the schedule. Um, it's got a race in the, early on in the spring, like one of the first few races, and you know, first couple of races out side the day 2500 are just getting the season going you know they don't have a whole lot of weight to them um so i think of nascar it, but really it, i think they did everything that they could have in this covid world to promote the phoenix race i thought yeah. they did a great job letting people know who's at phoenix i mean especially around the town there was so much that advertised and and got the word out that they were here and I think they executed championship weekend great on the NASCAR side. So they can't really. But it ultimately, it, it comes down to a feel thing. And you're right. We were missing that feeling of a championship race. And I, I do miss Miami. And I have everything to gain from us being at Phoenix. But I will say, I do miss That's Miami. That's why you got so defensive last week when I assumed you didn't like, you were fine with Phoenix. But now I understand why. I've yes. said that. 
Yeah, and I've I've talked to uh, I got my like one year ago memories and stuff, and I remember talking to Ross Chastain at Ross. Phoenix last year, and I asked him about like, hey, we're gonna be here racing for a championship next year, like. I know you're going to want to be here in a year from now racing for a championship. What do you feel? And he's like, yep, we should not be moving from Miami. So uh, I think a lot of the drivers share that sentiment. I think it's cool NASCAR's trying to get different markets involved in this aspect, but we're missing just yeah. a feel thing. And and we dodged a hurricane. Yeah, so that's the that good thing. That was crazy. Thing. I did not like oh, – right. <laughs> That's it the one out. thing. It's like out. you're guaranteed – you're like guaranteed to get the race on time, hassle-free, no delays in Arizona. Although it was overcast yeah. and like misty all weekend long or at yeah. least Friday. Like I literally felt drops as soon as like the green flag yeah. was about to fly. I'm like, are you kidding yeah. me? But yeah, I, most of the time you'll be able to get a Phoenix yeah. race off. So that, yeah, weather, that was weather, funny was that the hurricane hit southern Florida – same time where a championship yeah. race would have been. Of course, it is a week earlier than normal, but I would assume if they kept it in Miami, it's, maybe they still condense the schedule with a week back. But very good point about only having one race at the track that the championship hosts. Like, that is critical, I think. And Miami would be perfect yeah. for that again. So, I don't know. I would envision the race being back in Miami in the next, I want to say, 10 years to be broad, but five years to be specific. So, we'll see. Phoenix is guaranteed next year, but I don't know what's to hold yeah. after that. All right, so. one big point from the weekend. The champions, each of them, under the age of 25. I don't know. That yeah. probably hasn't happened. I, I don't have the stats for me. I assume that has not happened in decades, maybe ever, where we've had three champions under the age of 25. Yeah. And my whole thing about being excited about this is because it seems as every other sport, NFL, NBA, MLB, they're all, all their young stars are excelling. They are the superstars. They are dominating. They are the top of their game right now. Of course, there's, you know, the veterans are still in play, but for the most part, it's a youth driven league. There's been a transition. All these young stars are coming in and dominating and they're the stories of the field or the field of stories of the game. Like, you know, Patrick Mahomes, for example, like took the world by storm, won the Super Bowl last year. The young quarterback winning the Super Bowl, it's like new era kind of ushered in with that, even though he's been you know dominating for years already. Like Young quarterbacks are the thing in the NFL right now. NASCAR has been talking about the youth movement for a decade, and the results have just not been there in the Cup Series. In the Xfinity Series, definitely there's been a transition to younger stars succeeding, but the Cup Series, it just seems like there lacks the youthful success that is allowing other sports to transition to this new young era of competition but nascar it's all the old guys to win like kevin especially this whole year for the most part kevin harvick denny hamlin it's these old guys winning and that makes it hard to get new and younger new and younger audience interested in your sport because they don't relate to these 40 year olds that are winning races and dominating and are on tv in the stories so you need those younger stars to succeed to be able to get them in those positions where the younger audience that you're trying to attract is seeing them people, they're seeing them succeed, and they want to cheer for them because they're their age and they're young, and it's cool seeing them succeed. And we finally got a taste of that. I don't think it's – the whole season was not like that, so I can't say it's – you know, the, there's a difference – and I'll let you respond after this. There's a difference between the youth movement where you're having young stars come into the sport, but there's and then there's the youth – succeeding in the sport like they've done relatively well but they've won a few races a handful of races every year but we need them to be winning three-fourths of the races every year and knocking these veterans off and having this youth you know 
fusion of youth just taking over the sport. That's what I want. And we are point is chase light one championship really awesome to get a 24 year old as a champion that is a huge step in the right direction that's that is a big deal and i will say watching the xfinity series for me was probably the most fun series to watch this year because of all the new names that were swirling around like i absolutely loved the fact that we got to really watch chase briscoe Austin Sindrick, even Harrison Burton, Noah Gregson finally flourish to where, you know, they should have been. Um, And I think with, obviously, big names like Junior, Casey Kane, Danica Patrick, Jimmy Johnson, Matt Kenseth, Carl Edwards, Clint Boyer, uh, I know all the nostalgic names are retiring, Andrew, what am I going to do? Yes, Jason, here's the thing. You know, you can sit and dwell on it and, and be sad for yourself. Sad and, for the and, sport. And, you know, there's a, time, there's a time where you can do that. But I, I, well, no. that's what my thought is. I don't think is. you that's can be sad I for the sport. I don't think I, this is obviously the sport's going to take a hit. You know, whenever a big name goes out and, and is no longer racing, of course, there are going to be fans that are not going to return that next year because their guy's not in it. But... Just like every struggling NBA team or, or hockey team or, or name the sport, everyone goes through a rebuild. And I think NASCAR as a sport right now is going through a personality rebuild. And I am honestly here for what is to come in the next 10 years, especially having a hint of these younger guys winning championships like a Chase Elliott. Finally, I mean, for the rest of his life, he is at least going to be a NASCAR champion, and that is, that's a big deal, to have a young guy represented as a champion, I can't wait to see what Chase Briscoe, Austin Sindrick, Harrison Burton, Tyler Reddick, Christopher Bell, uh, Cole Custer, all those guys have to do, and, and, and what they what they can achieve in these next 10 years, especially with some of the cup guys we already have now that are young, like a Ryan Blaney or Bubba Wallace, and now Chase Elliott. I think NASCAR is going through a big personality rebuild. It's going to take a few years for the sport to regain some of the popularity lost by Jimmy Johnson and Clint Boyer and Dale Jr. leaving. But I think these young guys, we're turning into a very young sport. And, uh, you know, the old guys are have a couple of years left, I think. You know, Harvick is he's more towards the tail end of his career. And, and same with some of these other guys who have been in the sport for a long time. And that's going to open up opportunities for these young guys, and I'm I'm excited for the NASCAR rebuild of, of personality yes, that is, in the future. That is what's happening. But you're again referencing the youth movement I talked about. Yes, there's a lot of young guys coming to the sport, but they're not succeeding. Like Chase Elliott is probably I count Joe Logano in this younger era. Kind of he's 30 now, I think, but he's been around for you know 10 years, so it feels like or 12 years maybe. He feels like he's been around for longer, but and he's been succeeding. But it's like Chase and him. Ryan Blaney wins one race a year so far, but like it takes time to develop that talent to be able to that's compete. That's why I'm saying but that's the thing. it's going to be five years or so yeah. for, for us to really hit peak. But like you're movement. talking about all the Xfinity guys coming in. Like I doubt Chase Briscoe. I mean, Chase Elliott, yeah. this was his yeah, fifth so year. So five years. You got to give him five years. So Ryan Blaney, like he's coming up, I would assume he's probably got one more. Maybe. This was yeah. also his so, fifth year. Right. I think him and Chase were rookies. Yeah, so at the same he time. should be starting to come into that, but he is and isn't and should be succeeding more maybe he will next year he was really strong this year but we'll see what he can do going forward next year chase is there bowman yeah I like bowman man. well bowman was 
year was probably 18 was his first year yet. So he's coming in. Byron, I think, too. Chad Canales mentioned on the Dale Jr. download that. He thinks in four years, Byron's going to be unstoppable. But because Byron's had such exactly. limited experience racing a stock car compared to everybody else, he needs to catch up on that. But my point is, hopefully we start, I think maybe Chase is a turning point where we still start seeing them succeed more than the older guys. And Austin Dillon? Tyler Reddick. Yeah. I mean, you look at Austin Dillon beginning of the playoffs, man. I mean, you would have thought, holy cow, look at this guy. RCR has made great strides. Chevy's made great strides from where they were a few years ago. Yes. So we need to see them start succeeding. Like the Chase Briscoe, give, you have to give him his five years. So in five years, he might be succeeding. But in those five years until then, until we have a majority of guys at their five years level of experience, we're not going to see them be able to take over over the Kevin Harvick's and Denny Hamlin's. And so – I think it'll start happening. But man, it's gonna hit all yeah, at it'll once. It'll start happening more, but other sports, it just seems like it's completely there. Of course, you still have like the NBA, still have LeBron James winning a championship. However, you've got the younger guys as a sporting cast really kind of rising up, and we need these young guys to yeah, rise up. I don't up. think it's fair to compare. I don't think it's fair to compare. The I'm NBA not comparing the competition. NASCAR I'm comparing the level of interest. NASCAR had the lowest rated championship race in probably forever, and. The interest isn't there, and the young guys are what can draw the interest if they're succeeding, so we need them to succeed. Another thing that kind of relates to the conversation we're having. I was listening to the Athletics podcast after Phoenix, and Steve O'Donnell was on, and I can admit I've been fairly critical of Steve O'Donnell always. I still think the competition is needs a lot of work, and he seems to not admit that, so that's why I struggle with him. But from an overall sport perspective, I think he had a really good opinion on this podcast, and this was after talking about Chase Elliott winning a championship and how cool it was to see a young guy win and the interest that could draw. He says one of NASCAR's current goals is to put the fun back in the sport, which I'm all about. That is, I need that to happen. And I think it relates to the fact, and he mentioned this, how corporatized these drivers in the sport, I don't think corporatized is a word, but I'm going to say it. Corporate, the sport, and the drivers have become in the last 15 years, how it went from kind of these, you know, really unique personalities, these Southern guys, these just like rough and edgy guys that built NASCAR, brought it to where it was the mainstream level. And then corporate America kind of took over and kind of put them online. And Jimmy Johnson kind of is the persona of that because he was a really successful guy, but he was very vanilla. People would call him, but he was very, straightforward and it's not a bad thing but that's just who he was and that's not you know jeff gordon or richard petty or dale earnhardt which is it's different i'm not saying it's bad i'm just saying it's different but the idea of putting fun back in the sport and randomly the first thing i thought of was like we need guys shotgunning beers after they win a race like putting the fun in the sport whole custer yeah we need guys to put the fun back in sport by being themselves doing things like that after they win a race, being excited like that, and showing their energy, their yeah. f- how much fun they can be, and that's what attracts fans. It doesn't, like, Jimmy Johnson attracted fans because he was so successful, but he probably didn't attract many fans because of his personality. If we had a really, I don't know, Clint Boyer, like Le- Clint Boyer leaving, we're going to have a big void of fun, and we need some guy to come in and kind of be that guy that's funny, has a great personality, and can inject that into the sport because if you're a really fun sport to watch and fun sport with ton of personalities people are going to be attracted to that so that's what nascar really needs and i'm glad to hear he steve say that they are trying to make that happen yeah that's actually really interesting uh you kind of mentioned the corporate nascar um someone on an unrelated note i had the most fascinating 
conversation uh, with someone today who works on the sponsorship side of NASCAR. It was so interesting. She was comparing to NASCAR now, how it's, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I talked to her. I'm like, yo, I, yo. I think I didn't say yo. <laughs> that, that just comes up when Andrew's I'm cool. stories. He says that. <laughs> but I was like, you know, NASCAR has got to be pretty easy to sell given the fact that it is the most sponsor-friendly sport out there. And what's 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 wrong with you? All right, 20 years ago, yes. But, like, now it's a much tougher economic climate for the sport, and there's not as many people paying attention, so it is probably much harder to sell for the sport. But go on. You're looking at fan reception to and, and brand loyalty. I mean, that is – yes. But when there's well, less fans, not, brands are less interested in sponsor coming in the sport when they have less people to appeal to versus other sports like the MLS, which is growing like crazy. But go on. Tell your story. Anyways, I thought she'd be an interesting person to uh, have on the podcast. So relating back to the age, driver age thing, Parker Hligerman had a really interesting tweet earlier in the week. I'll read the tweet. He said, driver age in NASCAR is super interesting. Owners, I want young talent. Crew chiefs, I need experience, sound decision-making, and risk evaluation. Sponsors, needs large social media following and proven record. According to David Smith, who does some analytics stuff, he said age 39 is peak driver production, I think from a competition standpoint. So the dynamics between those three categories for race car driver talent and who these driver owners are trying to having their cars and how it all has to kind of gel together is fascinating to make it all work. Yeah. And that kind of goes to our previous conversation as well, where it's like you mentioned age peak 39 is, is best driver production. Well, you're not going to get a rookie or, or, or anyone in their first five years to get to that point. So that's why I think these bigger stars, unfortunately peak a little bit later than other sports is because of all those mixing and combining factors that make someone successful in the cup series yeah, that is very true it, really in racing yeah. in general but. the difference i think between now and like nascar's peak in the mid-2000s was at that time like these new like the carl edwards the Judy johnson the matt kenseth ryan newman like stars like that were young and they were coming in but there was also this huge guard of old guys still doing very well and that's what the kind of dynamic was the difference now seems to be that the old guys are these old young stars but they're not very interesting they're kind of just you know bland and they're not as interesting as the old guys used to be and these young guys are the kind of the new and the exciting and interesting people coming up so it's kind of a flip switch flip scenario there from before but i don't know it's it'd be interesting to ask a owner about those three categories of young talent seems to be a hot commodity Crew chiefs want a driver that knows his experience because that helps them perform better. And then if you, and also you need a sponsor for all this, and the sponsors want someone who is marketable and there's that are good at social media too. So like, the, it seems like such a hard sell for all three of those. Yeah. Uh, we'll move on. Jimmy Johnson is done. I thought, man, and especially to wheel that into fifth place in your final race. Yeah, that was race. impressive. And, was that his that best finish all year? torch moment. I Let don't me look it up. Know. You can keep talking. I'll look it up. Well, that, that moment, I know they covered it on TV, but um, Jimmy Johnson going and doing a victory lap and, and waving to all the fans and Chase Elliott coming around to take the checkered flag and that moment where they stop in turn four and high-five each other. I got chills 
during that, and fans were cheering and screaming, and what a symbolic passing yeah, the torch that is for say. the young guys, for the young guys into in, into this next generation. But Jimmy Johnson, man, I, I'm gonna miss him. I've grown up in the sport with Jimmy Johnson around, and before I ever dreamed of being in the NASCAR industry, Jimmy Johnson was our guy at home. So uh, it was crazy and kind of weird to uh, see him catch that checkered flag, but I'm excited to watch him in IndyCar. He's been an awesome guy to get to interact with over the the past couple of years, and uh, we were sitting out in the grandstands after the race. We were going to do a little... um, Zoom press conference kind of backdrop, kind of close the season out video that we ended up losing because of the audio. But Jimmy Johnson's car and his crew, they were out there for probably a solid 45 minutes to an hour after the race was over, if not longer. And they were just sitting out by the car and just chatting. Like, it was all of them. It was the coolest thing to just watch that car being the only car out there. The sun was long set, and they were still out there. And um, a fitting... Fitting way to go out. Jimmy Johnson, P5, passes the torch to Chase Elliott, and uh, I know he'll be missed. It will be really cool to look back and ounce, I would say, probably 15, 20 years if Chase goes on to be crazy successful with championships and wins and becomes one of the best in the That's, sport, which I think will happen. I think it's a good chance that happens. You know what? But Real quick, before you say this, this you know what this reminds me of? This is like Jeff Gordon's first race wow. was Richard Petty's last. You just stole Dale's thought. Is what it reminds I was going to say, Dale mentioned that on the podcast. It feels like that. Oh, really? It, or not feels like yeah. it. It could become a moment like that. Of course, they'd, at that time, but Jeff Gordon's first race, I doubt many people in the field knew who Jeff Gordon was. And so that's a little right. different. But it could be, that's the thing, looking back in 15, 20 years, we could say that this was that moment. And it would be really cool to say if that happens because we were able to witness it. Yeah. Um, you did talk to Jimmy. And know it a little bit yeah. more. You talked about, I mean, you talked to Jimmy Johnson earlier in the day, so tell us about that. Yeah, so I did get a chance to speak to seven times on the morning of his You weren't revealed race. that to us last week. I hope people got the hints. Yeah, I didn't really necessarily want to say it because, you know, with COVID and oh, everything, true. never yeah. say never. Um, and, and, that's good. And, that's good. Even even day of, I'm like, there's a 50% chance this is going to go through or, or it might fall through the floor. So, I mean, it was very um, – because they were tight on time. It's like you can't guarantee anything. But the opportunity was there to talk to Jimmy. So each track, basically, uh, they, they did something different for Jimmy Johnson, whether that be name a grandstand after him or give him the southernmost <laughs> tunnel in the United States or street signs or whatever. So Phoenix – Gave Jimmy Johnson a part of Avondale Boulevard, I believe it was. And as you turn into the racetrack, it changes from Avondale Boulevard to Jimmy Johnson Drive, which was neat. So we met out there by the street sign. And uh, the the racetrack was doing a little video with him. Julie Geezy was there. The mayor of Glendale might have been there, but I could be wrong. Um, or, or mayor of Avondale, but I could be wrong. I didn't necessarily recognize him. Could have been Phoenix. But anyways, they were there doing something. And Amy Stock, who has been Jimmy Johnson's PR person for years and, and who was on the podcast last week, she came over to me. She's like, hey, if you want to get a quick soundbite, uh, you can do that. So um, it was really cool that that she thought of me for that. It was me and and maybe one other reporter that was there covering it. So it was it was very neat. 
Um, it was a lot quicker than I'd hoped for it to be, but I got to talk to him, which was awesome. Uh, asked him about the street sign, and then there was a question I've been wanting to ask him for so long. And I don't know if you remember a few years ago when he just kept struggling. I think it was like in 2018 when he spun at the Roval. And, oh, yeah. In all these close races that he ended up losing, he tweeted out this Babe Ruth quote multiple times throughout the season. And it was, it's, now I'm blanking out on it. Okay, yeah. It's hard to be a person who never gives up. And I knew for probably two or three years, if I ever got to ask Jimmy Johnson, one final interview question was going to be that. And Jimmy's never given up in his career. And I wanted to ask him what that quote meant to him. And I got probably one of the best Jimmy Johnson answers that I've gotten in, in all my years of doing this. So that was cool to finish that off. And uh, I did write him and Amy a little uh, note as to everything that they've been able to do for me over the years. I mean, Jimmy Johnson was one of my first scheduled interviews ever. And um, it's been kind of cool. I did a little video of me with Jimmy over the years. And I've grown up with him around the sport. So he's meant a lot to me. Um, so I, I wrote them both a little note on what they've they've meant to me in my career and uh as Jimmy's walking away I'm like hey Jimmy I improved my half marathon time by seven minutes and like we had a little moment where he's like that's awesome so it was uh it was cool to to talk to Jimmy on his final race day and especially in this pandemic um to have like an in-person interview we were six feet apart both wearing masks um but even so to have that moment was was pretty neat to quote Jimmy Johnson that's awesome yeah, I don't remember what it was, but he was like he was like genuinely fired up about me improving my half marathon time, so that was funny. I'm going to use that quote from now on and always say it's from him even though we don't. <laughs> um, yeah, like on, on like brainy quote. It's like that's yeah, awesome. Jimmy exactly. Johnson, 2012. So TV didn't show this, but social media Jimmy posted this video today of him driving down pit road after the race and the crew members that were kind of left on pit road seemed like it was pretty f- soon after the race. I bet most of them did this, but they gave him a high five, kind of like Dale Earnhardt 1998, Daytona 500 esque. By the way, that was the race the day before I was born, not to brag or anything, but mm. you know, um, that was really cool. And that was like we talked about for a few weeks on this podcast how it's not going to feel like Jimmy's done. He's not going to race in NASCAR probably anymore, but it doesn't feel like that yet. And we're going to miss him in two years from now. But seeing this happen, and right. they show the in-car probably from his helmet cam, and then they go to, like, this wide shot of him just with a 48, and the guy's giving him high fives. And then that moment, that's when I thought, I'm like, wow, like, this is over. The 48 is the Jimmy, Jimmy Johnson's 48. That era is over. That era that has defined my time as a NASCAR fan for the, for the last 15 years, that has ended. It's over. It's changing guard now. The 48 mm-hmm. will never be the same, and he'll never be on the track again. And that was just the moment I was like, wow, this is crazy to see that come to a close. But it was very cool to see the crews give him a send-off like that. So, yeah, I'll be following Jimmy. And I I like the fact that he's not hanging the helmet up. Like, he's still going to be racing. He's still going to be competing in IndyCar. So that makes it a little bit easier. And especially, actually, when he came on the Dale Jr. download. What a great podcast. put me at ease as as to, like, you know, you wish Jimmy would run one more year because of the pandemic and get the proper send-off he deserves. But – when you look at some of the things he's been chasing and and interested in this bucket list, man, I'm excited to see him pursue some of the stuff that he's wanted to do for so long. I want him to run an F1 race. I'm not sure if that's possible, but that'd be really cool to see happen or in a season. Yeah, that would. Okay. Before we sign off for the final time in 2020, unfortunately we don't have a bloopers episode this year because 
We did not keep track of bloopers as well as we probably did last year. I don't think we had as many. I know. Either. We're so good at this podcasting we were, thing these days. We were just we're so freaking we're perfect, good, man. Come just on. Just like Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. I would like to update. We stopped talking about this. I don't know. One of the last time we talked about this was, but we have a fantasy league, Redhead Racing Radio NASCAR Fantasy League. And I think we stopped talking about it because Andrew is not doing very well. But I'd like to congratulate my tie on winning the championship. He was on it and all year. Dominated. Like, crushed yeah. us. But if we want to go to the playoff standings, because you know how points reset in the playoffs. If we go based on that, Jason did score the most points in the playoffs, not to brag or anything, but if there was a playoff format with fantasy, I probably would have taken the crown just to just to throw out that out there. You would have finished fourth in the playoffs. Not bad. You finished eighth overall. I finished third overall. Not to brag or anything, but just want to point that yeah, out. Yeah, see, I'm proofed. I did not do that well during the regular season. Yeah. I did not strategize. I used to have everything out, laid out on a note sheet. I'm like, when I'm using a driver, when. Make sure I go through all 10 by the time I hit 26, and I just was not that methodical this year. And so I struggled because my preparation wasn't there. But in the playoffs, I'm like, all right, I'm going to start actually putting putting some effort in. And you can see I improved. So give me most improved for the NASCAR fantasy Congratulations. season. So we'll definitely Thank do it again you. next year because I love NASCAR fantasy. I'm going to miss it in the off season because I love awesome, fantasy. Yeah. I play fantasy football a lot too. Like I just love fantasy sports. It's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so if you want, if you haven't played this year, and tweet us next year. If you're in the league, it should renew. I think you are automatically yeah. renewed to be in the league yeah. next year. So yeah, so we'll definitely uh, talk about that before the season starts to get that going. One more thing I want to read. We had a really nice tweet sent to us last week. I, you beat me to it. Hey, I, I had this pulled to. up. So Katie Bessin, Bassinger. I'm sorry. I'm bad with names. I hope I pronounced your name right. She tweeted uh, over the weekend, wanted you both to know how much I enjoy your Redhead Racing podcast. Andrew, the interview with Amy was exceptional. Good job, gentlemen. So we really appreciate that comment. It was really nice. We really enjoy doing this. This is our, yeah. I don't know, we did 2017, 2018. This is our fourth year doing a podcast together. Can you believe that? That's crazy. Yeah, that's Andrew wild. Andrew was 15 when we started. I was 18. Like that's, and now we're old. How crazy is that? For real. Yeah, no, it's, I, I we always appreciate those messages, you know, especially this year, at least for me, I feel like I'm not doing enough to, to like supplement my coverage in NASCAR. So anytime I can get like one of those tweets, it's like, all right, I'm still doing an okay yeah. job. So but I, it's I not your that. fault. You couldn't do stuff this year. Like this is why I tell other friends. No, like, I know, but you can't, you were just happens. Like you couldn't do things like you normally would, but you can't control that. So I wouldn't worry about feeling that way. No, but what Katie's message, it Very helped good. me help, help lift me up a little so, bit more. You know, there's always next year and things probably won't be normal next year, but they'll probably be better. And you can go from there. That's right. And I don't know. I think I have some big ideas for what we can do next year as a content platform. So we'll be back and we'll be doing something really cool. So we can guarantee you that. Jason, what? Uh, oh, should I share the me? ideas with you? What, what, what can you tease? Yeah. Can, you, can we go well, over some ideas? I think ideas? I should tell you. Let's just convert this into a post podcast. I think I should meeting. tell you the ideas before <laughs> we tease them because, you know, you may even not like them. But there's a lot of, I think yeah. there's a lot of cool things we can do. You know what? Here's an idea. I think we should have Alan Kavana on every single week. Yeah, I like that idea. <laughs> Copa Kavana. And yes. since we have an He's off season, awesome. first yes. guest, he was awesome. And that's the thing. We did some guests this year, and that's part of the plan. Yeah, like, more guests. Do yeah. more of that next year, and have an off season to plan for that. And really, like the thing was the hookup of 
trying to get guests before was, I don't know how to, we're doing this from the opposite sides of the country. I don't know how to patch a third guest in before the discovery of Zoom. And Zoom has changed everything. God bless Zoom. Like, yeah. I wish we knew that beforehand. I bet Skype works, like there could have been a Skype way to do it, but like we like good audio quality and Zoom kind of gets you, if you have, you know, a mic and stuff, it's easy to do and it's easy to have a guest on. And people now it's like, yeah, just send me a Zoom link. And it's such a part of society. That's crazy. So easy. I know. I was Earl Barbin's first Zoom. Oh, really? That was um, like amazing to me. Yeah. So like we set up, I literally had to like, he called me and he's like, hey, I've never done this Zoom thing before. I'm like, all right, it's super easy. You just got to download the app. And he was like, he was like so worried and like nervous OnStar. about like trying to get Zoom set up. I'm like, dude, it's the easiest thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he had OnStar going on before. I watched that whole video uh, you sent us about that. Funny. I it was hilarious. Yeah, it was great. Um, but uh, yeah, here's to 2020. Wasn't the year we wanted, but we got yeah, it done. And 21 is going to be even better than uh, this year. And the last year, past, so this could be a tradition we can start. Last year, at the end of the year, I said, what's one wish you have for 2021? So last year, I don't know if you remember yours. What did I say about 2020? My wish was I want to stop talking about the Aero Package every week, which I think we we okay. did less of that. It was very prevalent for a good part of the season. But I feel like we just crowned a champion, and we didn't talk about how the Aero Package affected the race, which it did, but it wasn't as massive as it was last year. So I would give that a halfway good goal that worked out. And, yeah, so you go first. What's your – What's one wish for 2021 as we sign off for 2020? I think I speak for everyone. I I am longing for us to get back to a normal race weekend with full fans, 100% capacity, and hopefully a year from now at least we can have a normal championship weekend the way it was supposed to be delivered at Phoenix this year. I mean, I know next year the beginning we're not going to get like we used to be, but I think hopefully by the end of 21 – we as a world and as a sport can be as close to back to normal as possible. That is my Imagine wish. Imagine telling yourself that would be your wish a year ago. You've oh, been like, man. what does that even mean? What a humbling year. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And while that is a wish I share too, I'll be different and not say the same thing. It really goes back to what Steve O'Donnell said. Let's put the fun back in the sport. And I think there was stuff that happened this year that kind of made me feel that way. I need to stop using alarms. My one of my <laughs> goals for next year is to stop using an alarm to remind me to do stuff. So that's besides the point. <laughs> um, but the goal of putting fun back in the sport, like I think of a couple instances right now: Chase Elliott flipping Kyle Busch off at Darlington. That was fun. I like that. That was cool. Crazy moment. Um, yeah. The rain race at the Roval for the Xfinity Series. That was a hell of a time. It was so much fun to watch. Yeah, we need more rain races. NASCAR yeah. has to get on that. That was Please. fun. Um, Martinsville seeing Kevin Harvick get eliminated, like that was some fun racing. That was good stuff. And so I just, my wish is that we put the fun back in the sport in more ways, like personalities of drivers, quotes, guys being funny, doing stuff on social media, like more of that, and then translate it to the racing. Like that's also arguments and fights after the race. I know. It was very hard, except for Noah Gregson punching Harrison Burton, which I mentioned on the Dale Jr. download, and I said, I thought that was funny, and then they all thought that was funny, and I thought it was funny. It was a great moment. But, um, <laughs> like, stuff like that. Like, that was probably, we couldn't really see fights, but, like, that is what made the sport what it was. It's just kind of the grassroots, like, just having fun racing, and then you're fighting, and you're wrecking, and it's just stuff like that that just makes the whole sport fun and 
attractive to people to pay attention to and just fun to pay fun follow along with and i just want to put more fun back in the sport so those are our wishes for 2021 we'll revisit them at the end of 2021 and see what's see what unfolded damn it i hope my wish comes true at least. yeah <laughs> that'd be nice yeah. i think i think there's a chance we by the end of next season we are closer to normal i don't think it'll be fully there but i think we'll be made progress Yep, absolutely. Well, it's been a interesting year. I appreciate everyone following along for, for both of our career paths, uh, listening to what Jason's been doing on the, the download and Dorm Bumper Clear. It's been we fantastic co- stuff, especially during the pandemic. We co-edited three we co-edited. episodes That's of the right. Dungeon Down this year. Would How we have cool a thought that? that was potentially a thing last year? I know that was neat. That was definitely cool. Um, but I appreciate everyone following along and, and listening. I, Jason, you text us almost every week about how like listeners are up and, and viewership is up. So um, we appreciate everyone who's stuck around and, and listened this year. Davey specifically, Davey Siegel. I know you. He listens to uh, every episode, so I appreciate. I mean, this this episode's gonna be like forty five minutes long. So I'm gonna be yeah. incredibly if impressed made it if he's to still the listening. End of this. <laughs> so he knows that we're talking yes, about absolutely. now, so he has to text or tweet us about if he made it this far in the show. Yes, he's got to do it. He's got to do it. I won't say anything. Uh, Tyler, our oh, producer, yeah, has done a, a great out. job um, of doing uh, not only editing our podcast, but turning it around so yeah. freaking quick. I mean, we'll send him the audio after we record here, and like he's done the next yes. day. And so he's uh, Tyler Anderson. Anyone in the sport who's looking for a good podcast editor and upcoming industry member go give him a look up on twitter and at tyler uh, linkedin and yes absolutely because he's done some great stuff for us this year on the podcast and uh those are all the thank yous I right think so should we thank our sponsors right. too or not? yeah well we don't have sponsors to thank yet really i'd like to thank our future sponsors whoever yeah. our future sponsors are going to be um thanks for joining the podcast and uh you know what we should probably we should let Tyler go. This is running long. He's going to add an extra yep. long podcast. So, all right. Closing thoughts. Everyone, thanks for a good year. I appreciate you listening, and uh, we'll see you next year. That is the end of the podcast for the 2020 season. <laughs> thanks, for the, thanks for the clarification. Just so people know. <laughs> Just like you say, this is post-Phoenix. I want to make sure it is post-season. <laughs>